a gun in the face. Then all of a sudden, they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today. Started two years of horror for an American in Venezuela. They said, you need to give us your phone and get ready because you're coming with us. I'm Becky Bruce, and I spent a year researching and piecing together Josh and Tammy Holt's story about their ordeal in a notorious prison. That's when everything started to turn bad. We had another pound on the door. Boom, boom, boom. And there was the police once again. You can binge all of the episodes of Hope in Darkness on kslpodcasts.com or wherever you get your podcasts. With Utah's loss to USC, is there any hope of winning the Pac-12 championship? Because Jason doesn't think so. Rivals has arrived. All right, welcome to another episode of Rivals. Scott Mitchell, Jason Buck. Hey, and I Jason, think they have a chance. No, you don't. It's just a small chance uh, right now. They expose okay, my wait. worries. The quarterback, the quarterback is a running back with a football. Yes. And there's a much, much greater problem with Utah's football team. And what in the world is that problem, Jason yeah, Buck? The, the running back quarterback thing is a minor problem. I'm just saying it's he, he's a fantastic athlete that isn't quite the guy to get him to the national championship. He's not the magic. He's not so, the Alex So, Smith. like his quarterback rating his and his actual path, like his completion percentage, is like in the top five in the country. Just so you know. Okay. But go ahead. So, do you think he has a quarterback brain? I, I actually have been very impressed with how he's played. Okay. Even if you go back to last year, he was playing lights out. I don't. I don't know where this comes from. I from love you. his athleticism. I just don't okay. think he reads the field like. A, right. It makes the right decisions. Well, there, there's certainly there are guys that are more but comfortable. It's, it's, the, it's at the bottom of my pecking but there, order. But if his, I'm picking his on strength Utah. is not sitting in the pocket and reading defenses. No. I'll give you that. No. no, no, no. And so maybe I'm a traditional, you know. Um, Damarino type guy. Yeah, but, but you kind of have to play with what you got yeah, and play yeah. to your strengths. Yeah, so you know, so you get a running back. But that's my that's the bottom of my picking well, list. What's on, the top of your would list? Would I be happy with him as my quarterback? You know, at, at Utah right now, yes. Would I be looking for more of a Zach Wilson? Yes. But playing with him, he's a he's a great dude. But that's down that's down at the bottom. My problem with Utah was not athleticism. It was not how deep they were. It was always, as I said early, coming into the season, what I really want to see answered is that high level of character and leadership inside the discipline, inside from coming within the team and from within the locker room. And to not quite be ready for USC, you know, and to walk out in that type of format and that national game and the level of excitement at USC and get punched in the mouth – and then get 15 penalties in the game, That's those are huge red flags to me. Huge okay, red so flags. I'm, I'm going to play devil's advocate with you because Coach Whittingham has said this, like, as far as a group of guys, this might be one of the best he's ever had. Uh, there, there are no problems. Um, I agree with you on coming out and playing against um, USC flat. They were flat. They were flat. Right? They just That's weren't surprising. ready. They were not ready for that game. Yeah. But also on the other side of it, there was uh, a lot of the penalties 
Like I, I was in the booth watching the replay, and I'm like, I, I don't see, I don't see that. I, that's not a penalty. Just watching it and uh, the pass interference against J- Jalen Johnson. To get homered 15 times, though. I'm not saying I'm not saying they all were right. were were necessary. No, they weren't. And I'm okay with Whittingham having the penalty, honestly, because sometimes that's a big emotional lift to the team. You know, if a head coach gets in it, right? I just but, I just will tell you. Um, some of them were not, but what penalties kind of tell me is there's a lack of effort and focus. There's no question yeah. about that. It's like yeah. you're not moving your feet, or you're not this or that or whatever. And a lot of the penalties were on the outside to wide receivers and tight ends on edges, and they and they were calling holding penalties. Yeah, and and you and you should appreciate. Hey, I'm, I'm glad that a wide receiver is actually trying to block somebody. You know, yeah, I mean, no, you know, I appreciate it, that. So it, it's a little, it's a little misleading, and I, I'm hearing your argument, and I, and I, and I don't, I don't necessarily disagree with it because this is a very seasoned team. This is a team that has a lot of leadership on it, and that should be one of its greatest assets. It should be when you're flat and you're playing at USC. Those people need to step up. Yes. And answer to to and you know not every game you're going to be like everything's going to flow the right way. No, you got to figure out a way to win when things aren't going well. Right, I get right. that. So is it is the season over? Absolutely not. Was that a bad knock right there that they got to take care of and they got to fix? Yes, absolutely. You've got to show me that they're going to respond. And that'll show the, the character of the team and, and they can overcome that adversity and then fix the penalties. Because, man, I'm telling you, you want to get cut from you know the NFL faster than anything under Joe Gibbs anyways is get 15 penalties in a game. So I mean, that's just not tolerated. Yeah. So it's it's always the, looked at as personal discipline, focus, you know, you're ready to play. Right. I mean, there's penalties, right, but not 15. But this is the challenge that the team now has. So uh, yeah. they, they, played, they played one conference game. And they're zero and one, and and the team that you always have to beat USC and yeah. is two and zero. Right, you're down two games. You're, so so if if let's say let's say let's say USC loses and they're two and one, and let's say Utah wins the next two games, right? So they're also two and one, right? And and they're still behind. Yeah, because you, so, USC so, gets the tiebreaker. So Utah literally probably can lose one conference. They probably can't lose another conference game and win the South. That's really where they're at. Right. It, it's really where they're at. Because if they, if they have two losses and USC has two losses, then USC's got it. So you're right. Yeah. They, they've, got to, they've got to win out in their conference play to go now, to the conference championship. Now, USC, here, here's kind of, That's well, totally USC, USC face, plays Washington this week. Okay. And that's going to tell us a lot, maybe, about where USC is. My money's on Washington, right? But I, but, but it will tell you. You, you'll right. go, and and you know how you know how conference play goes, because because Utah has, they have an interesting schedule coming up. They play Washington State, who is really hard. For, I mean, Washington State, hopefully, just has a hangover, and they're just lethargic from their marathon game against UCLA, which is insane. Both teams scored That's, over 60 points. Dude, that is... It's insane. That is the insanity. The quarterback for Washington State had nine touchdown passes. Nine... Some guys don't throw nine touchdown passes in a season. I would be so embarrassed as a defensive coordinator to give up 60 points. Oh, my goodness. 
It's it, like like both of those defenses will be ranked last in the country, <laughs> right next to each other because there's like no defense at all. Yeah. All right. I I I think there's an answer because the real question, and I think I think the real question is, what what does going because the really the hardest game for Utah left is going to Washington, and I know there's a lot that has to happen before they get there, but is there a realistic shot of beating Washington? And does it really matter? Because I think I think Utah has actually dialed into a formula to be successful. And we're gonna take a break. When we come back. I'm gonna share. I'm gonna share my thought about what it, what that's what that philosophy is. Okay, you travel to the Himalayas and are worshiping at the Buddha idol. No, when you hear it, you're gonna go. Like, okay, you are right again, Scott. Okay. You are right again. <laughs> I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. In October of 1985, a woman named Cherie Warren left work at a busy Salt Lake City office. To meet her estranged husband at a downtown auto dealership. She never made it home. Cherie's car surfaced weeks later in Las Vegas. In the parking lot of a hotel casino. No one knows how it got there. Strange. It was strange. Both Cherie's estranged husband and her boyfriend raised suspicion for investigators. I kind of thought that he might have done something. But no arrests were ever made. In Cold Season 3, we dig into double lives, make new connections in the case, and examine the difficulty raised by reasonable doubt. We want answers just as much as anyone else. They have creeps like that now, too, so nothing's changed. That's the new Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie. Now available anywhere you get your podcasts. All right, welcome back to Rivals. Scott and Jason here. Of course, uh, crazy things happen. Utah loses to USC. And the previous week, BYU beats USC. Nuts. And at the beginning of the season, Utah beat BYU. Yeah. And it's just kind of one of those, well, they beat us and we beat them and you beat, you know, and and, and so you, and, and it's just weird. It is. And it tells me something, which I can explain in a minute. But now, now BYU plays against Washington last week. Got manhandled. Jacob Eason looked really, really good. Yeah. Washington's defense looked really, really good. Looked great. And so they now ran the ball well. They in, passed the ball well. Right. They did in they in a short period of time, uh, a month to be exact. Well, a little bit more than a month. Utah will be going to Washington, and so. Are they going to play better against Washington? Uh, and and what, what kind of happens to BYU now? I mean, BYU is kind of out of its Power 5 schedule. And and do they get to rest now? Cause Not really. Because really, really an eight-win season would be remarkable for BYU. That would be awesome for and them. And 10 would be phenomenal. And that, that basically means they got to run the table. Yeah, they'd have to which, run the which table. Which probably isn't going to happen. No. But eight eight games is... May, it may be realistic, maybe not. I don't I know. Eight games is realistic. Um, not the way they played against Washington, but the way they played week two and three, I think way, um, you know, it's, it's realistic. Losing Tyson Williams really hurts them, but I think they can, if they manage it well, you know, they can survive that. Love Zach Wilson. Their defense got exposed for what I was worried about, you know, by Washington. And they got to go play a tough Toledo at Toledo. I mean, they don't have. You know, you got Boise State at home. You got Utah State up there. 
I mean, you don't really going to play San Diego State in in at in, San Diego, yeah. right? It's going gonna, gonna to be a challenge. They're, those are you yeah. know, those are four challenging games, yeah. right? No question. None of them are like, oh, BYU is a guarantee to win. Those are four challenges. And then you got to travel all the way down to South Florida, which is a long road trip, which is never good. You you know they they're in danger. You don't want to go down there and do a USC no show that came to Provo. Right? right, but BYU found USC at the perfect time, coming off a big emotional win against Stanford. They overlooked BYU. They flew into Provo, full of themselves and cocky, and not ready to play. And BYU handed them a loss. It was the classic, you know, letdown after a big win. And so BYU could go; they could go eight and four. It was a really tough game down there. You know, I was down doing the Outland Trophy autographs, running the flag on the field with me and Ty Detmer and Moel Onibi and had a great time you know is the environment was great it was a beautiful day but washington jumped all over us <laughs> i mean it was there was nothing pretty about the game at all it all ended once the kickoff happened right pretty was, much yeah. right it was i think it was 21 nothing it i you know i turned around from taking the flag off the field and you know up in the end of the tunnel and i turned back around to look out on the field and it was 14 nothing <laughs> i mean honestly yeah. i was like what wait what just happened what just happened you know. But you know you have you have like a week every once in a while like that. Oh I yeah, mean, you, you know yeah. this is this is still a young team trying to grow and learn. And I think they can go so. eight and four. I think they're legit at eight eight and four without the wheels coming off. I think that's probably a legitimate um, forecast of their season. You know, looking at it, maybe seven and five. But I, I think for some reason, I think Tom Homo kind of builds the program around floating from six and six to eight and four. Yeah. You know, it's if they go better than if they go nine and three, ten and two, which would be awesome. I mean, everybody'd be thrilled at ten and two. It's still the same bowl game and the same kind of outcome. So, know. I think Utah switching gears here. I think they have everyone right where they want them. It and and is it is it fair to say? So they lost to USC on purpose. Hang on just a second. They won't. <laughs> Is it fair to say that a leopard never loses its spots? Yeah, I think that's a. So what is great what standard. is what is the Kyle Whittingham mantra? Us against the world. And, Everybody's against us. And and it's like we got to have a chip on our shoulder. Chip on our shoulder. Yeah. We we do not function as the front runner. We can't do it. They don't. They didn't like respond they, well to that. Like one. they want to do it. They really think they can do it, yeah. but they can't do it. So it's like down. we have to hate the world, yeah. and they they're right in that spot right now. They're they're like they have been cast aside. They no one gives them any respect. No one thinks anything about them. And guess what? It's us against the world. And so he literally. I don't. I don't want to say he maybe consciously did it, but maybe subconsciously he's just like I am so uncomfortable in this position. I need to be angry at the world I, in order in order to play. I, I agree, and, and they and so they have it. They, I love being in that position myself, right? I'm kind of very Whittingham like in that way. I love having that chip on my shoulder, and I love being ticked off. And a that's the way I like to prepare for defense. And you know what? They got embarrassed down there. They weren't ready, and that was a big wake up call. And that, you're going to find out. You know, if I if they respond and make that answer that call like you were saying. Come out angry, us against the world. Fix those penalties. Come out and play hard week in and week out with no letdown, with never coming out flat, never coming out unprepared. I will tell you at the end of the season, that was a championship team. That was a championship right. character, discipline, leadership, everything I was hoping for, you know, that I want to see from any 
team that I coach or, or look at, uh, that they responded. So now, now's their opportunity, man, because you're right. Everything's in line for them to be ticked off, humiliated, angry, come out and play great. There's no other excuses. And uh, it's now we'll go to see if they really answer the bell. You hate to be that way. You hate for it to be that way. Yeah. It's frustrating. A year ago, they were 0-2. I mean, written off. I mean, they started off conference, they are just like 0-2. And then all of yeah. a sudden, they just kept fighting, kept playing. And, and lo and behold, they're in the conference championship. So uh, there's a lot of good teams in the Pac-12. There's not a great team. And so these teams are going to beat up on each other. They just are. We, there's going to be surprises and upsets and things happening. Uh, all year long, and that's that's just kind of the makeup of where Pac-12 football is. All right, this round of Rivals is over. And we're off to our corners. He's Jason Buck. I'm Scott, Scott Mitchell. Thank you. And we're powered by KSL Sports. That's Scott Mitchell. Dot com. I get to say that. Yeah, that's Scott and, Mitchell. And that's Jason over there. Uh, you can find us on Twitter. At the Helmets Off. No, that's a different show. What the heck? Flust- You're always plugging that other stinking podcast of yours. That's a good one. It, uh, it is good. Facebook, at the Rivals Podcast. Twitter, at the Rivals Show. Until then, we'll catch you soon.